0: Beginning God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the sky, the oceans, the plants of every kind. And after each act of creation, God delighted in what had been made, saying, This is good, very, very good. And it was so. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through the Word, and was not anything made that was made. God delighted in what had been created, saying, This is good, very, very good, and it was so. As I've been sitting with the harmonization of our text for this morning, I wondered what it would be like if we had the opportunity to ask God, What is it you desire? I believe the answers would be found in the creation story from Genesis 1 and in the word story from the first chapter of the Gospel of John. For they both record a story of love, of relationship, of longing. God's desire is for continual relationship through creation. For the cosmos to become bigger and bigger and brighter and more expansive, we need only to go online and be mesmerized by the images that have been captured by the Hubble telescope as image after image reveals the amazing works of God, as we sang in our opening hymn, the amazing works of creation, which is still taking place. God's longing is for light and life and diversity and color and difference. We need only gaze at creation like we gaze at an icon. If we gaze at the mountains and the rivers and the oceans and the fjords and the lakes and the inlets and the waterfalls. If we gaze at creation, at the forests and the fields and the planets, at the, pla- the plants and the deserts and all the wildlife. If we simply even gazed at one life form. Have you ever spent an hour Gazing at a spider. We need only gaze at creation. Of all the variety of species on this planet's planet, including us, it all screams of diversity. God's desire is that creation creates continually. Darwin got it right. Creation is not over. It's continuing to create and expand and change. And creation isn't about simply for creation's sake, however, no. It's about the very beat of life pulsating through everything that tells us of God's great desire for life. So, to hone it and to bring it home, what are our desires? What are your desires? What is it that you long for? This is an an important question that I don't think we ask often enough, much less answer. Psalm 37 is pretty clear, though, that God will give us the desires of our hearts if we but delight in the Creator. The exact verse is, take delight in God, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, our deepest longings... And desires are way more than simply our wants. Like I want a new car, or I want a new house, or I want an all-expense-paid trip to Tahiti. It seems, even though you might want that, that's really not a longing or a desire. It seems that our heart's desires are somehow linked with God's desire for our heart, so our desire and God's desire becomes the same desire. If we think about this for a moment and what it is that we desire, we gain a glimpse into our very selves for our desires describe better than any other question we could ask about who we are. And maybe this is why we so rarely ask it. Our desires impel us to action It's that for which we yearn and crave and long for in our very, very being, the depths of who we are. Our desires define who we are, for they point to what is important, core, and essential to and for us. This Sunday, we're celebrating Earth Day. This Sunday, we're celebrating the Earth, but every day is really Earth Day. And Earth Day actually began here, in the city of St. Francis, when, in 1970, the mayor, then Joseph Alioto, issued the first Earth Day proclamation, and ever since, there have been annual celebrations around the globe. What prompted Earth Day, however, was actually a photograph. Yes, a photograph, one that you've all seen many times, taken by the astronaut Bill Anders on the Apollo 8 mission in 1968. And the image of that photograph stunned the planet. It was the first time we human beings had ever seen our Earth home from space. It was the first time we had ever really been able to wrap our heads around this small marble globe, holding all that we know and have ever known. That one photo changed the way human beings understand the planet. And because of that understanding, it invites us to change how we live with the Earth. Earth Day celebrates this. In fact, Bill Andrews said we came all the way on Apollo 8 to explore the moon and the most important thing is that we discovered the earth. Earth Day reminds us about how we care for that which we desire. Do we desire the earth and desire creation? and take delight in it? And if we don't, why is this so? And if we do, then our behavior is extremely important. Earth Day reminds us that we are only one Earth community. Earth Day reminds us that we are interconnected, interdependent, and interrelated. You know, creation is relational. If you simply look at your relationships that you have with one another, it models for us what kind of relationship God has with the planet and desires and longs for us to have with one another. God set all this in motion, saying, this is good, very, very good. And it was so. Earth Day reminds us that we do not live without one another, that we cannot live without one another. Earth Day reminds us that we're part of this community known as a web of life. It reminds us to take care of me, that's the earth speaking, and I will provide for you. Don't take care of me, and I won't. This means we are all called to be environmentalists. I remember maybe 30 years ago when I was on staff at First Presbyterian Church of Monterey. We celebrated our first Earth Day back then, and my colleague, the head of staff, in his sermon said about the importance of recycling. Mm -hmm. On the patio following, this parishioner came up to me agitated, angry really, saying that sermons are no place where political opinions should be voiced looking quite puzzled, I'm sure, trying to recall just what was it that Jay said that might be interpreted as political, she, sensing my confusion, said, recycling, recycling. It's such a political issue. And then she said, he said that we're to be environmentalists. I mean, really. (laughs) If we don't delight in the earth, why is this? Karen?" For this planet home is not a luxury, my friends. It's not an option. It's about our relationship with creation and with the creator. So to be truly transformative, we must change the way we see ourselves, change the way we see our world, so that we might see the world and creation as God does, as a lover for a beloved Think about how you care and what you do for those whom you love. How do you care for your lover, the beloved? This is the relational incarnational dynamic that God has set in place so that we might care for the planet, for the rivers, for the inlets, for the mountains, for the greenhouse, for all of what takes place on this planet home. As Christians, I believe we need to embrace a green theology, developing an earth consciousness as we look at our living and our eating and our buying. A green theology is really a spiritual practice, if you will, and it's, that, it's modeled on that relational aspect that we have with one another. Just for a moment, think about what you do for the people in your life that mean the most to you? How do you care for him or her, for them? What would you never do to them or her or him and that we corporately could do to the planet every day? So this day, I challenge you and me to be aware of what we buy. And what happens with this thing that we buy after we've bought it? Does it go in some landfill somewhere? Or does it go back into the cycle of creation? Think about when you're buying something that's in plastic. And how might you buy something that's not in plastic? I am mindful of that mile in the ocean, that debris, it's a mile wide in the ocean, made up of plastic bottles that have been discarded and found their way to that particular configuration. So if I have to buy something in plastic, I am zealous, almost religious, about recycling it. Did you know that all of the electricity that we spend that is idling in our computers, our photocopiers, our shredders, at home and at the office, our devices like electric toothbrushes and electric shavers, keeping them plugged in, uses electricity. And I read through an eco-justice site last night, that if we turned off a portion of that, we would stop the output of 12 electric power plants annually. Now, not only would we save us money, but we're saving emissions into the greenhouse effect. Very simple. Unplug when we're not using. Think about this when you buy stuff that's not organic. All of these things we know, but do we practice? These are things that I know, but do I practice? I went around my house tonight, today, before I came over here and unplugged those things that have been idling that I had forgotten about. Living mindfully green is a spiritual practice. It's how we understand our connection and our relationship with all of creation and our interdependence With all that is. It's how we care for the beloved. And in this case, it's the earth. God created the world, and after each act of creation, God saw creation's goodness and said it was so. After every act of creation, God delighted in what had been created and then kept desiring and creating more. It's like a lover being so captivated by every word and gesture of the beloved. This is how God is with creation, how God takes delight in all that is, in you, in me, in us, in creation, savoring the goodness of it all. So what kind of relationship do you and I have with this God that is so in love with us, that is so in love with creation, that so desires to fulfill our heart's desire? How do we love the beloved that is creation? We are told to simply delight in God and God will fulfill the desires of our hearts. So what are the desires of your heart? Answering this question I believe is the first step in living the love story that God so desires us to participate in.